0: Hi and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowen, Pastor Adam Mosier continue their discussion on the small called articles. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and a faithful service to his kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu.
1: Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe. I'm joined by Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osher. All right. We are, are back for another set of episodes as we continue our march through the small called
2: or small called articles. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Got it right. Yeah. We're, this is the last section in the first part, the indisputable uh, articles. There's no conflict. We're in mm-hmm. more or less lockstep with the Roman Catholics on these. I mean, these are the basic foundations of the faith, but yeah. we will. It's Do coming. four
3: more episodes. on <laughs>
2: yeah. Like it or not. Whether yeah. you like, yes. Yeah. I don't care if you don't,
3: you should disagree with us just so we could have some, there, you know, There is feedback. not a
2: dead horse we will not beat <laughs> on this podcast.
3: <laughs> uh, I was just talking with somebody today about, uh, and maybe I'm incorrect on this and one of you guys can correct me the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Hmm. Um, we were talking about that and how they went from being a sect or a cult-ish type of, of group because of their doctrine to more of a, what we would call mainstream or you know under the umbrella of Christianity. And was it not something like this article that they finally came into agreement with like there was some question, and, and I could be completely making this up, but as I understand the church history, there was a major shift in their doctrine to be- basically in, in regard to the Trinity and the life of Christ. I think it was maybe something along those lines. So it's like you say all the agreement over the course of time matters because we're talking about, you know, the doctrine, the life, the basics of Christianity. So there's value is what I'm saying in talking about this.
2: I was not aware we had let them in the front door yet. Interesting. Yeah, I thought they were still kind of at that level of Mormon Jehovah's Witnesses where mm, mm-hmm. people, un, 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 you know, uncritical people think they're just a different denomination of Christianity, but I was unaware they had changed their doctrine.
3: Yeah, and, and that is, to the best of my understanding, that that happened. And I'm not sure mm. when, yeah. I'm not even, I could be just lying, just filling time here, but that, that is what I understand it to be. Hmm. Kind of interesting, it is for sure, it's Have very different. Have they changed
2: their stance on meat yet? I don't know about that, Please or don't or a the Sabbath. Day. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that or
3: the Sabbath, yeah. but I do know that um, I do know that they have a really good singer named Wintley Phipps. I think he is a, an Adventist singer, and he he his his voice sounds like butter. You should look him up. Is that a real person? Wintley Phipps. Yeah, that yeah.
2: honestly, sounds like a Simpsons Simpsons character. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that right now.
1: <laughs> look him up. He's great. Huh. All right. All right. Well, let's let's read this. Uh, I always feel like it's like part one, article four, yeah, the, section one. Dash, paragraph three. Paragraph, like yeah.
2: This is clearly in the statutes yeah. about when your tabs are due.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. It's uh, part part one, article four. Uh, I think I said that right yep. for, for us here. I'll, I'll read the paragraph and uh, we can uh, go from there. It says that the son became a human being in this way. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit without male participation and was born of the pure Holy Holy Virgin Mary. After that, he suffered, died, and was buried, descended into hell, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God, in the future will come to judge the living and the dead, etc., as the Apostles and Athanasian creeds and the Common Children's Catechism teach. These articles are not matters of dispute or conflict, for both sides confess them. Therefore, it is not necessary to deal with them at greater length now. And uh, that's the end of the, the article.
2: Yeah, it's the yeah. end of the whole section, and it yeah. really the only reason we call these first four parts articles is the end of this section. These articles are not matters of dispute. Hmm. Okay, and you know they're they're not fleshed out by Luther. Um, they're you know their corresponding sections in the Augsburg Confession are pretty brief. Two, it's because there is agreement on it, but it's worth studying still yeah. because you really understand where the heretics have gone off base. All heresy is flowing from getting these parts wrong. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's okay to to note,
1: you know, common denominators, even with, uh, you know, for these guys, you know, with those that they were battling against doing theological battle, um, even if it doesn't mean like a further fleshing out uh, like we'll do today. Yeah. Great.
3: So, Jason... The, li- the life of Christ.
2: Yeah. What about it? <laughs> it's y- you are our master. Lead us away. Uh, the, the whole point of the life of Christ, well, there's lots of points, but really the focus for the church in this area is that we're dealing with history mm-hmm. and we're dealing with actual objective facts. And so uh, one of the ways, you know, that Lutherans historically have explained the value of the sacraments is that... Um, the, the cross and the resurrection or salvation is accomplished. The sacraments and the means of grace is how salvation is delivered. So in that distinction right now, we're sitting on this is how salvation is accomplished. And what we need to realize as Christians is it's more than Good Friday and Easter Sunday morning, right? The, the whole life of Christ from incarnation to ascension is for our redemption, is for our salvation, is for us. And missing that, you lose layers of the reality of what Jesus has done for us, and you lose layers of reality of the Christian life uh, that really end up oversimplifying things. Mm
3: -hmm. This is also what, and and that's what you say, the historicity of it is where I was going, and hoping you'd go there too, but the nature of of history being very unique. This is a holy book. I mean, we are looking at scripture, which is a holy book, Holy book, and a lot of times, holy books get the uh, and, and rightfully so, you know, get the myth label put on them. Um, but it's very interesting how, <clears throat> if you read scripture, as you go through scripture and you look at scripture you find that it is not like your typical holy books of, myth, you know, mythical theology. It is it is very orderly. In fact, Luke talks about that when he writes his history of Jesus, and he actually, if you read of all the Gospels, you know, they talk about the life of Christ, and John's, you know, is very interesting in the beginning. He talks about, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh, etc., and it's very, uh, almost poetic and very philosophical, too, in some ways, of in looking at the philosophy of the time, the Word, language, and stuff, and, and focusing on on the big picture, but Luke is very practical. He, it's like reading a history book. It's like reading a biography. And he says, this is the orderly account. I'm going to put it down in an orderly account so that you can be confident about the things that you've heard, meaning that this is real, not some sort of mystery or myth. This is an actual thing that happened. And so Luke goes about, and it's interesting how you watch Luke walk through. That's that's his, mm-hmm. what you see in the Apostles' Creed is exactly what uh, Luke tries to do. He tries to walk through the birth, you know, the, the you know in, incarnation, basically, uh, the conception of Jesus, and then he walks through the life of Jesus all the way through. Um, and, and so that's that's really the heart of when we look at these things. We have to understand it's real. We're not talking about something that that is fake, something that is made up, something that this is something
2: that can be verified historically. Yep, and. The, the reason behind that from a teaching perspective is that it comes down to all religions are truth claims. Every single religion stakes a, t- a claim on truth in one way or another, right? Christianity is the only historical truth claim, meaning that Christianity is the only religion that you can disprove, Christianity is the only religion of all the human religions ever invented that if you remove an element, it goes away. Every other world religion, you can remove major parts of it, and it still works for people, right? Like, uh, It's very interesting. I, I, I have grown up in an apologetic mind frame where the three major world religions that kind of meet our philosophical needs as humans end up being uh, Judaism— Islam, and Christianity, because all three, uh, they claim that God is both personal and infinite, right? Uh, All other world religions, there's a deficiency on one end of that spectrum or the other end of the spectrum. I just finished reading a Nancy Piercy book where she makes a very robust argument that actually uh, Islam is the roots of New Age mysticism and that it's Hmm. right in line with those traditions. He's like, all those claims of a personal God uh, in practice don't stand in Islam, which was very interesting. But whatever the case might be, even if you take those three uh, religions, and, oh, well, that's historic. Well, no, it's not. Because all of the claims of Islam in the Quran come down to God said to Muhammad, and we have to take his word for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you if you remove Judaism from the thread of history with Christianity and, and it just stands alone, uh, Judaism is God spoke to Moses and the prophets and we have to take their word for it. And so there is not a single element of either Islam or of Judaism that you can remove that'll cripple it. I mean, I know I have friends who are Jewish atheists right now. You, you don't even need a belief in God to be a part of the practice of your Jewish faith. For Christians... If you take Jesus out of the equation, if you provide the body of Jesus Christ, it all goes away, and it's even built into our holy book that Paul says in First Corinthians that if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, we're most foolish. to be pitied. Yeah, yeah, most to be pitied. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So it's really important that at the center of our redemption, then we tie it to the historicity of Jesus Christ.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Do you guys ever?
1: When you're preaching or, or teaching, even just using the word story, um, just feeling like you need to say, you know, this is an actual historical event. Or I, I, have you ever? Yeah, I hesitate use that? to use
2: the word story yeah. um, because of, you know, right? People you say the like story, story of David. Book or yeah. So what I what I generally when I when I'm talking about the historicity of it, I'll use narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, just, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't want to inadvertently communicate the idea of fiction or that the details don't matter. And, and you brought that up. It's uh, the the New Testament accounts of Jesus, but even the Old Testament historical accounts are, are very detailed. They're not, you know, if there's any element of history in other religions, they're very vague. Mm-hmm. Th- they're just kind of generalized. But the the details, especially in the New Testament, are, are really fascinating with how specific they are. A great author, we've recommended her on the podcast before, but uh, look up anything by Lydia McGrew, Dr. Lydia McGrew. Uh, she has... Uh, written a lot on these kind of unintentional or or incidental details in the gospel that lend itself to historicity. Really interesting. The other one is, um, his last name starts with a B, Richard... Uh well I, uh, it'll come to me at the worst possible time when we're <laughs> talking about something important but Bacham Richard Bacham huh. uh has a lot on like even the percentages of names used in the gospels exactly matches the percentages of names we know from historical documents of that time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and th- there are a lot of things great. like that. Um
3: even just um archaeological finds that we yep. have discovered um, recently, most interesting to me, and and has this been disproven? I don't think so. the The bone box of James, Yeah, the mm-hmm. brother of Jesus. has that been has there been it's any significant been con- challenge made against that? because that, that was fascinating to me.
2: it's It's not been confirmed. It's not been denied. It's been labeled dubious at best. Uh, part of the problem you have is that both James and Jesus were highly common names. Mm-hmm. Uh, what during I, the time.
3: And what I heard about that, though, that was interesting was it was very odd to put one's brother rather than yeah. one's father, that sort of And
2: thing. that's the yeah. argument for it. The, uh, what we do have is confirmed. We have the bone box of Caiaphas, the high priest. Mm-hmm. That's mm. been discovered. And cool. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, especially when, when all they needed to do, all the Sanhedrin needed to do was produce the body of Jesus and Christianity goes away. No, we have the body of Caiaphas.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a sense
1: of irony. Huh. Yeah. yeah, Well, let's, let's walk through, you know, thinking of the life of Christ and um, you know, his, his suffering in, in particular, um, what are some of the, the ways that Jesus suffered and, and um, how does that connect to uh, this
2: topic today? Well, his suffering starts at his conception. Uh, the, the mere idea of putting on human way. flesh. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, the, the real helpful theological distinction here is Jesus' humiliation and Jesus' exaltation. And so Jesus' suffering as a human, because he's God, starts when at the incarnation, uh, at the conception. And uh, that's really important to note, that as soon as he puts on human flesh, this begins his humiliation and suffering. Mm-hmm it's
3: and that they call it humiliation and that that whole thing that idea going from the beginning of, of conception and then you think of his birth mm-hmm. and all of the, the nature. And it's it's interesting because because the humiliation isn't all the things you think. Like just the very fact on his best day, when he made with his dad the coolest thing they ever made. <laughs> A t- <as laughs> carpenter. Like this table. <laughs> Mel Gibson. Yeah, Mel right. Gibson. So the there you go. Christ, Jesus yeah. invented the table. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Mel Gibson. But uh, yeah. no, when, when he did the, on his best day, it is still him living in humiliation. Yep. Yeah. every yeah. aspect is you know of his yeah. life is is done in such a way to understand what it is to be like us in every way, just as we are yet without sin. Um, that that whole idea that he knew exactly what what we are going through in suffering and suffering um, in, just understanding what life in the flesh uh, that has been. Um, in in a world that's been broken by sin and the curse of sin he knew what it was to live in that and all of that if you contrast it with the fact that at the very exact same time he was fully God that that uh, that dynamic that that um that that disparity, if you will, is just un- incredible when you stop to think about it. That, that And this is one that, that stands out to me. So you've got his conception, right? Growing in the womb of Mary, born in, in the most humble yeah. of circumstances, dealing with... Animal trials. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, and, and some of that is, is dramatized sure. from yep. our... You know, it'd be crazy for a baby to be born in a barn today, right?
2: We think about that. I mean, it, it's not, it wasn't usual back then. I actually knew someone who was born in a barn growing up in North Dakota. <laughs> so. Of course he did. <laughs> Of course he did, Jason. Yes. That's your part of North Dakota. I, I, I grew up and found some parts of that uh, more believable than other people probably did. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I'm saying. I, I mean, and it, it's not that it's that
3: unbelievable. It was common of that day to stay in places like that, and and with the the whole nature of the census that was taking place, it was natural that it was going to be difficult to find a place to stay, etc. Blah blah blah. But all of the, the one thing that stood out to me, and this is one we don't think a lot about his humiliation, is that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. And Man. And we, we, we hear that and we think, oh, that's really nice. Like, he was just, you know, he grew up and this, this is real sweet and he was a smart kid and all this stuff. But you're thinking God grew in wisdom. Yep.
2: Nope. Wow. Th- you know, like, what do you do with that? In, in Jesus' earthly life, as he grew, there were things that he could not do that he grew into being able to do. Like, Jesus had to learn to walk, right? And, and that's where, if you've ever been exposed to any of the Gnostic Gospels, that's where they, they start to screw this stuff up really rapidly. It, it's either in the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Mary Magdalene that uh, Jesus gets mad at one of his friends in grade school and kills him and then raises him from the dead. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. It, it's in there, though. It's, it's kind of funny. But yeah. it, it, it's that sort of thing. But you look at it all, and, and there, there are some things. You know, like it's fun. Uh, I think the best depiction of Jesus Christ on film... And I haven't seen The Chosen, so you guys, I haven't seen it. But from what I've seen uh, is Bruce Marciano in The Visual Bible of Matthew. Hmm. Uh, If you go, that was produced mid-90s. Yeah, I was going to say 90s, 2000s. And it's it's called The Visual Bible, The Book of Matthew, which the only uttered words are the text of Matthew, from Matthew 1-1 all the way to Matthew uh, 28-20. But Bruce Marciano, who plays Jesus as actor, gives him a personality And and that stuff is fascinating like they show him kind of in these apocryphal scenes. He's joking Mm-hmm. Uh, with the disciples. They're laughing at a distance. I think there's one scene where he gets Peter in a headlock and gives him a noogie kind of stuff like yeah. that, you know? And the like, Chosen
1: is kind of like that too. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, very much so.
2: Jesus has a personality. Jesus has a sense of humor. Jesus, you know, experienced joy and sadness and all of this. But the point for us, theologically, 2,000 years from, removed from the earthly life of Jesus, is all of the things that Jesus does in his humiliation as a human is for us because it's in our place. So, Jesus has emotions, yet without sin. Jesus is tempted to sin, yet without sin. And the the things that Jesus teaches are taught perfectly from Scripture. They're not selfish. They're not biased. They're not any—and so Jesus standing in our place, you know, Jesus giving us an example is good. He does give us an example. It's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. But the whole life of Jesus, his suffering is in our place hmm. because we screwed it up. And that's the the wonder of the Apostles' Creed, and it's the wonder of the four Gospels. Mm-hmm. It, going back to the, the
3: depiction in Matthew's Gospels and The Chosen really does the same thing. I know, Jason, you said you haven't seen it. Uh, the Chosen does a similar thing, and and some people have an issue with that. Some people have an issue giving a personality like that, or you know, sense of humor. In in uh, in the Chosen, he does. He definitely has that. One of my favorite scenes, and you, you've got to watch it at some point. But it's uh, the woman at the well, John four. When he meets with her, and that was one of the funniest and yet yet emotionally touching scenes ever. She, he's like he's like talking to her and kind of like, and she's like super wary of like, what is this guy doing? Like, he's not supposed to be talking to me. He's a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. I had, <laughs>
1: and, and so
3: he basically says, you know, you are you are you are, you are can be you know whatever. Um, I, I'm the living water, etc. Whatever he says there, and and she's like, really. Are, are you kidding? <laughs> She's like, he's like, no, I'm not kidding. He's like, he's like no, I'm, I'm serious. And it was funny because like it, you could see how Jesus would have had a personality. He would have had no. something yeah. and I, and that's yeah. why I don't have a problem with the extra biblical stuff there because the parts that are biblical, it says it very clearly, the parts that are biblical I'm taking, we're taking from scripture, some things we add in for the sake of the story and, and it's plausible. They're not, we don't know them but we're just throwing this in and I think it humanizes Jesus in a way that we do have to
2: understand that he was like us in every way, and, and we have to understand this point. One, it's not we're not preaching from the chosen, although I'm sure people have. <laughs> there uh, are Bible studies, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I mean, the point of Scripture is that it gives us the words of Jesus that are necessary for our salvation. You know, if, if Scripture was anything more than that, we wouldn't even preach. We'd just read Scripture out loud in church and then walk away, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but right. any visual depiction of the Gospels is artistic license because we don't know what it looked like. Even if they're right. only quoting from Scripture, the tone is not included yeah. in the Greek text, right. uh, colors, everything is not. I don't have a problem with artistic license as long as it's not contrary to Scripture. But what we know is, one, Jesus was fully human, so he had a personality because yeah. all humans have personality, right. but we also know God has a sense of humor. Yeah. Like, you cannot read through <laughs> the Old Testament without picking up on God's yeah. sense of humor. It's like, yeah okay, prophets of Baal, maybe Baal's relieving himself in the bathroom and that's why he hasn't <laughs> shown up yet. You know, yeah. Elijah taunting the prophets or, or, the, you know, my, one of my favorite the passages, well, talking, the, yeah, the donkey yeah, talking right. or first Samuel 15, yeah. uh, when Saul gets called out and it's like, Saul is like, Samuel, I've obeyed the word of the Lord. And then Samuel says, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? You know? <laughs> I laugh out loud every time I read that account because it's, it's included. Yeah. To be funny, you know, probably a little bit more extra biblical is like God forcing Moses to write in scripture. Moses was more humble than any other man that ever lived. (laughs) I think that's funny. (laughs) But but so so Jesus was fully man. That's good. And he does so. In our place. So, like the temptation of Christ, that's easy. Jesus is tempted as we are, and he comes out on top. He succeeds where Adam and Eve failed. He succeeds where the people of Israel failed. He comes out as the real child of God, which is really important to us because in baptism we're adopted as children of God and we have this perfect child of God standing in our place, right? Mm-hmm. And so, the point of his suffering is yes, there's an example. Jesus teaches us what perfect obedience looks like. We should strive to that. We should glean wisdom from that. We should pay attention to it. But that's not the primary point. The -hmm. primary point is the substitution. The primary point Mm -hmm. is the imputation. Yeah, you mentioned the temptations. Uh, we talked about that in a recent
3: episode, I think maybe last arc, something about where the, you know, the temptations where Adam failed where Israel failed, you know, that's what the temptations in Matthew's account and Luke's account, uh, both, both in chapter four, incidentally, uh, it's really each, nice each, it <laughs> is to remember yes, yeah. e- each of those gospels, but the temptations um, very, the way Jesus quotes, you know, it is written. He's quoting from Deuteronomy. He's talking about places where Israel has failed, but you, like you mentioned in a previous episode, it's It's the same as um, in many ways, as the Garden of Eden. goes yep. back to Genesis three. So Adam failed, Israel failed. But the thing about the temptations that stand out to me, and I think we need to pay attention to, is this was an example of temptation in Jesus's life. This wasn't the only temptation. In fact, it says, you know, the devil left him when until
2: an opportune time. And that, that specifically is fulfilled at the garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus is praying with all stress, if this cup can pass from me, not your will, but you know, not my will, but your will be done that the ultimate fulfillment, but you know, Jesus is, if he's fully human, he's always under attack because we're humans are subject to the fire arrows of the devil. Right. Yep. And so it, it's there. The interesting thing, this I'm working out and, uh, I know we're getting up to time here, but something I bounce after you, I'm I'm working on this teaching where after the resurrection, Jesus reverses all of the curses of the temptations. So, uh, in, 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 it's a little bit weak, but I think there's something there. So if you take all the post resurrection appearances of Jesus in, in the four gospels, so the first temptation is bread and Jesus in the resurrection feeds the disciples, mm-hmm. right? And the second temptation is tempting God and Jesus forgives Peter for his falling into temptation, right? And uh, he pa- the, the other one is he gives the disciples the peace of God. So you're not testing God, you're passing God's peace instead as a disciple. And, and then the third one is that worship me and I will give you all these kingdoms. And Jesus in the Great Commission says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Yeah, and it's right yeah. there. And I, I I want to codify it a little more before I really publicly teach it, but mm. I've never noticed it before. And I was like, ah, I wonder if there isn't something in that pattern.
3: Now somebody's going to yeah. steal that and write a book. I You'll hope so. Get right. super Christian oh, famous I, all off of your ideas. It's been,
2: it's been well established that whatever books people want me to write, I'm just never going to write. Because what happens the way my brain works is I think about something, I figure it out, and I'm like, okay, that's good enough, and I just move on. I I don't feel compelled to put it on paper at that point in time. Thanks for sharing the
3: wealth, Jason. That's real considerate of you. You're welcome. Real glad. Now, I know know we've got... um, you, I, we're coming up, on, like you said, on time. Is there anything else we want to talk about by the way of Jesus? Because next week we're going to continue this idea of the life of Christ and look at some of the things and we've gotten through the temptation. He's been like us in every way, but, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot to talk about his, his, you know, rejection, his, uh, the, the denial, the betrayals, the death and burial, that sort of thing.
2: I think if we build his death and resurrection together and then launch forward from the resurrection, as we're talking about the life of Christ, I think it'll be more effective than if we try to do it all in, you know, negative two and a half minutes. Sure. (laughs) Sounds good. Well, thanks for listening and and we'll catch you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. You are all invited to the Summer Institute of Theology. It begins on August 7th and runs through August 11th. It's at the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, Join pastors and lay people from around the country for training in apologetics, congregational leadership, systematic theology, and studies in the Psalms. Find a full list of electives and registration information at flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.